It's a little bit of a hard act to follow, baptisms and missionaries and comings and goings. But um, I'm super excited to be here today preaching. We've been blessed as a family to be a part of Redeemer Church in this season of our life. And, um, and it's, a, it's a delight to bring God's Word to you today. As we have just witnessed, life, our lives are full of events and experiences and various happenings that shape who we are and change the people we are for the Lord. Sometimes they're, they're silly things. Sometimes they're profound things. I'll give you some examples. Our family a few years back moved. We sold our house. We had a piece of property to move to. We didn't have much of a plan together. So before we had a home there, we lived in a camper, five of us, for about nine months. And it seemed like a really good idea at the time. And we thought, this will be great. Once our home is finished, we'll have this camper. We'll drive around. We'll go on trips as a family together. But by the time that house was finished... We got out of that camper as fast as we could, and we sold it a few days later. <clears throat> and you probably couldn't get my wife in a camper at, at this point even. So the experiences of our lives, the events of our lives, shape who we are and shape how we view the world. We, we've been talking a lot about mission here in the last few weeks with, with um, Leah here today, the Uganda team just back, and mission is one of those things that certainly shapes who we are as believers in Jesus Christ. And and in my own life, when I was in college, it was a mission trip over spring break to Honduras that galvanized my faith in Jesus Christ, to walk with Him, and that was a, a seed to begin a journey that led me into local church ministry. So our lives are full of events and experiences and happenings that shape who we are and change us and transform us for the Lord. Now, our scripture today tells of perhaps the most impactful event in history that changed the world forever. It's the story or part of the story of Jesus' resurrection and Here, even after a couple of weeks past Easter, it's still the most fundamental claim of the Christian faith, that God sent His Son to come to earth to live for us as Jesus, to live a perfect life we couldn't live, to die a death we deserve for our sins, and then on the third day, to rise triumphant over sin, Satan, hell, and death, that we might be forgiven, that we might be reconciled to God, that we might have life in His name. What does that mean for us? How does that impact us? How does that change us? That's what I want to think about today, and I want to consider that as we look through the lens of Scripture from John chapter 20 and verses 10 through 31. So, if you would stand with me as we read God's Word. (laughs) 
Mary Magdalene has discovered the tomb is empty. She's gone to tell the disciples. They've come and seen and gone back home. So in verse 10, we see the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and she, as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, "'Woman, why are you weeping?' And she said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she didn't know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and to your God. And Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples I have seen the Lord, and that he had told her these things. And on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said again to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. And so the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see his hands and the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand in his side... I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. And although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. And put your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these, these are written 
so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you might have life in His name. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we are amazed at Your kindness, at Your love, and at Your faithfulness. We are amazed that You would come and live for us and hang on a cross for us and rise again for us that we might have life in Your name. Now, by Your Spirit, be with us. Take Your Word and make it real to us. And let us see Jesus in Him only. We pray it in His name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, of course, as as I mentioned, we have spent Easter celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. But the fact is, is that the resurrection of Jesus is at the heart of our worship week in and week out at Redeemer. We bear witness to the resurrected Lord who has lived and died and risen for us. And we worship Jesus, not because He died, but because He rose and because He is alive. But how does that impact us? What difference does that make for us? Has that changed your life? I want to look at that this morning. And to look at that through the the lives we see experiencing Jesus in John chapter 20 this morning. And and the first of those, and and the the first nine verses, verse 10 through 18, we see Mary Magdalene. And we see how the resurrection of Jesus changes for her the ordinary into the extraordinary. Mary had gone to the tomb to pay her respects to Jesus. She was weeping. She appeared to have no hope. The one she had trusted, the one she had followed, the one she had believed was dead and buried. And now the final insult. The tomb was empty. His body was not there. She thought someone had taken the body of Jesus. And so on discovering that empty tomb, she ran to tell the disciples, Peter and John. They came. They saw what had happened. They went back home again. And Mary was there at the tomb, weeping, thinking the body had been moved, perhaps that it had been stolen. But she wasn't expecting anything extraordinary to happen. And so when she encountered a man in the garden and even looked at him, as verse 14 tells us, she looked at him, says it was Jesus. She didn't recognize him. So Jesus comes to her, a man in the garden. She doesn't recognize this extraordinary thing that Jesus is there. Now, it may have been, I don't know. It may have been that in his resurrected form, Jesus looked more youthful and she didn't recognize him. It may have been that Jesus was concealing his identity from her. It could have been this. It could have been just an out-of-context type of moment. Like if you always see someone at the gym, for example, and then 
on some odd occasion, you see them at the grocery store, the movie theater, and you almost have to do a double take because you never see them there. They're always in their, their spandex. And here they are dressed, looking nice. Um, it could have been this out of context. When a person dies and they are put in the tomb, we do not then expect to see them in the garden. And so Jesus is here, alive, risen. She sees him. She does not recognize him. Maybe it's because of one of those reasons. But it wasn't, what we do know is that it wasn't until Jesus spoke her name that she recognized him for who he was. Mary, he says. And she turns and calls him teacher, Rabboni in Aramaic. And in that moment, the ordinary is changed to the extraordinary. In that moment, the gardener became the teacher. In that moment, the stranger became the savior. The natural became the supernatural. And surely that is something we long for in our faith, that Jesus would be real to us and would change the ordinariness of our life and be at work in a very real and present way. I mean, we, we heard Leah sharing about that in, in mission. We see God at work, the Uganda team, God at work in extraordinary ways that we could, could not ask or imagine, right? Jesus be at work. We long for that in our lives, for the ordinary to become extraordinary through the risen Savior. And we as a people of faith need to hear Jesus call our name. In fact, uh, that is transformative to us. And in fact, in John chapter 10, Jesus talks about uh, the sheep hear his voice, the shepherd's voice. As he, the sheep recognize that. If a stranger calls their name, they don't recognize a stranger, but they, they know the voice of the shepherd. And so as a people of faith, as a family on mission together, we listen for the shepherd's voice. The, the world is so noisy. The world is so busy. So over the den of the world, we must fix our eyes on the cross, fix our ears listening for the voice of the one who created us and knows us and forgives us and loves us so that we might hear him, so that we, like the disciples, would say, we have seen the Lord. We have heard him call our name. And if we don't hear him, why not? Let us trust in him. Let us turn our attention to him so that the ordinary can become extraordinary. That's Mary's story. The second way we see lives impacted by the resurrection in the text today in verse 19 through 23 is with the disciples. And the disciples' encounter with Jesus, we see the resurrection turns fear into peace turns fear into peace. The disciples had hidden away because of their fear. Verse 19, on that evening of that day, the doors being locked because the disciples had a fear of the Jews. Even though the doors were locked, Jesus appeared among them and said, peace be with you. My wife often reminds me, when, when I am fearful, she says, fear is not of the Lord. 
Fear is not of the Lord. We have to remind ourselves of that. The disciples, they still wanted to meet together. They still wanted to be in community. Perhaps they still wanted to worship, but they were frightened men. And Jesus came. And in verse 19 and in verse 21, he says, peace be with you. Peace be with you. Sometimes we are frightened in our faith. Maybe we are uncertain of what others will say if we live as fully devoted followers of Christ. Or, um, you, you know, that, that sentence, that question, what will people say? That has crushed more dreams than anything else in this world. And so sometimes we live in fear. What will people say? What will people think? We are sometimes scared to say what we truly believe on issues of the day for fear of what others will think or say. We are sometimes like the disciples. We may want to hide away our convictions for fear. The disciples were anxious and fearful. But you see, Jesus took away that fear and anxiety, and he replaced it with peace. Um, what, What he did... He could have caused more anxiety showing up in their locked room, but what he did was brought peace. Um, And and he does the same for us. Sometimes we, we have locked doors of our heart full of fears and anxieties. And in trusting Jesus, he comes into our hearts, into our lives. And he takes our fear and he brings peace. The resurrection makes that difference for us. And I don't know what it might be. I feel like I'm preaching to myself on this as we stand as a family on the precipice of great change. And I'm afraid. And I have to say, Jesus, I pray for your peace in my life. And I don't know what it might be for you. A fear of, of, a, of your health or of a job situation or of finances or of how am I going to raise this family or of... I don't have any friends, or what is my place in this world, or does Jesus really know me and love me, or if they knew my past, what would they think? Whatever our fears may be, Jesus brings peace. Whatever uncertainties you are facing, Jesus brings peace. That's the disciples. The last picture we encountered in the text today was that of Thomas in verses 24 through 31. And with Thomas, we see that the the resurrection turns doubt into trust. You know, what can we say about Thomas? Doubting Thomas. We've heard about doubting Thomas, haven't we? Maybe maybe you've sometimes said about yourself, you didn't think something was going to work or something was going to happen, and then it works or it happens, and you say, oh, I was a doubting Thomas. I've said that. Um, If we were in that same position as Thomas, we missed the meeting. Jesus showed up. He showed his hands and his side, and then we were just told about it. We'd probably be a doubting Thomas. But Thomas... Jesus, um, just as Jesus didn't stay defeated in the grave, so Thomas doesn't stay, uh, he doesn't remain in his unbelief. Jesus changes him. And, 
and really I think we should call him not doubting Thomas, but believing Thomas. Because Thomas did believe. Jesus changed him. And we must remember that Jesus never leaves us as we are. What a wonderful example Thomas is of that. Jesus will not leave, loves us so much that he will not leave us as we are. Maybe that means that if you're here today and you are perfect, you should run to the door because Jesus will change you, right? And we are not a perfect church. But if you are here and you are broken, or you are here and you are sinful, or you are here and you are fearful, or you are here and you are uncertain, then you can rest assured that Jesus will never leave us as he finds us. He will transform us. He will change us. In this case, he will transform our doubt or our uncertainty into fear so that that doubt cannot overcome us. Pastor Craig talked last week about doubt, and he said doubt is not always the, uh, the opposite of unbelief, but it's perhaps the opposite of uncertainty. And we all have some of that, that we feel uncertain about things. There are things about our faith we may feel uncertain about. But Jesus will be at work as we trust in him to change and transform our uncertainties into trust and into belief. He will change us. Are we fearful? He will bring courage. Do we have sin? He will bring forgiveness. Do we have doubt? Don't let that doubt defeat you. He will change that into faith. And so we should really be thankful to Thomas. Thomas, for his doubt, makes the resurrection that much more sure. Think about if all of the disciples just instantly agreed the story might seem a little contrived. If you were writing this to convince people, you might leave out the doubting one. But Thomas makes the story so real to me. And and he shows us then, we see in verse 27 and 28, he shows us these wonderful proofs of the resurrection. He wanted to see the hands and the side, the nail-scarred hands. And sure enough, Jesus comes a week later, eight days later, and says, put your finger here, see my hands, touch the nail scars, take your hand, put it in my side. And so we see right there evidence of Jesus' death and resurrection. And then Thomas has such a wonderful profession of faith as he exclaims, my Lord and my God, my Lord and my God. He believed, he believed. Um, And those nail scars, those nail scarred hands are so important to us. If he didn't have, if Jesus didn't have nail scarred hands, we we would have nothing to believe. Our faith would be in vain. The scars make the difference. And then the last last two verses, 30 and 31, John states his purpose of why he wrote this book. And really, the purpose of the whole Bible, Jesus did. Many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which aren't written in this book. But verse 31, these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you might have life in his name. It's the whole purpose of the Bible. Um, 
If anybody ever asks you, what's the Bible about? You can go right there to John 20, verse 31, so that we could believe in God and have life in his name. Um, The resurrection enables us to believe. So what difference does the resurrection make in your life today? How has it changed you? Has it changed you so that you're not living life following Jesus on your own terms or on your own strength, but now on the strength of his spirit? How has it changed you? It is a a wonderful and vibrant way to live. Um, Let me share this scripture with you as we conclude. And I, I think this was maybe in one of the songs earlier today or scriptures Isaiah 49, 16, the Lord speaks through the prophet Isaiah and says, Behold, I have, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. And as we close, consider the hands of Jesus. These hands that held a carpenter's hammer. Hands that blessed children. Hands that opened a blind man's eyes, hands that touched lepers, hands that washed the disciples' feet, hands that broke bread and gave thanks, hands that even healed the ear of the high priest's servant in the Garden of Gethsemane. These are the hands pierced by Roman nails, held to the wood of the cross by excruciating pressure and infinite love. These are the hands, nail-scarred hands, that greeted Mary Magdalene at the tomb, hands she thought belonged to the gardener. These are the nail-scarred hands that the disciples, especially Thomas, were invited to touch, to see if they were real. These are the nail-scarred hands that prepared breakfast for Peter on the beach. Isn't that a wonderful story in Scripture? Hands that prepared breakfast for Peter on the beach and reminded him that he was forgiven and that he was called to ministry. These are the nail-scarred hands, marks of the lamb that was slain, which guide us through the highs of Palm Sunday and the lows of Good Friday and the silence of Holy Saturday and the triumph of Easter Sunday morning when we know that Jesus ultimately defeated death. These are the nail-scarred hands, of Jesus. What difference do they make for you and to you? How do they impact you? How do they change you? Take those loving hands. Take that loving hand of our Lord Jesus and walk with him. Spend time in the pain and sacrifice. Spend time in the marvel and disbelief. Spend time in the forgiveness and transforming power of the blessings he offers by the touch of his hands. How has the resurrection impacted your 
life. The implication of Jesus' resurrection, they are tremendous. They impact our life now, and they also mean that life does not end when we die. The world says it ends. It's over. You're done. But because of the nail-scarred hands of Jesus, the resurrection of our Lord, we know that life does not end when we die. We have an eternal view of the kingdom of God. So, let's pray that the resurrection and the power of the Spirit of the risen Christ will change us, will impact us, will make us different, and let us trust that those nail-scarred hands do really save us from the pit of sin, and that Jesus really loves us that much, and that the resurrection indeed will change the ordinary of our life into the extraordinary, will change our fear into peace, and will change our doubt into belief. Amen? Amen. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this incredible gospel lens. We, we see these characters, Mary Magdalene and the disciples and Thomas, encountering the risen Lord. And we know that those nail-scarred hands of Jesus still change us today. And we are so thankful that he does not leave us as we are, but that he forgives us and he renews us. And he takes our hearts of stone and makes them hearts of flesh to live new life for him. Thank you for Jesus. Amen.